Hey there, listeners. This is Buck with Gravel Trap F1. Today's episode is from our YouTube live session after the Mexican Grand Prix. And when we pull them down off of YouTube, turn them into a podcast, it does come as one single audio track. And it sounds like probably my microphone was being a little hypersensitive to some background noise. And it's creating this intermittent hum that you'll hear in the episode. So I've repaired it best I could, but I wanted to apologize for that in advance. Otherwise, enjoy. All right, welcome to Gravel Trap F1 Live, the Mexican Grand Prix edition. Hi, everybody. Hello. Here we are. Hola. Still heartbroken 24 hours later. Heartbroken? Oh my gosh, yes. Turn... Like, turn one. I kid you not. At the very beat, like, as soon as it was happening, I was screaming no Checo. And then for the next five laps, I'm just in denial. Like, I felt myself go through the stages of grief. Because I was just in denial. Like, I would, like, check out for a second. And then I'd check my hand and be like, no, surely. And then I, for a second there, I thought that they were going to, like, repair his car. And put him back out there. And I was like, anything can happen. And then... <laughs> They were in the garage, like shaking it and banging on it and trying to. They were to, really like... trying. Yeah. I know. Yeah. No, it, I think because they have a dark colored car, it's also not always obvious to them how big the holes in the side pod are. There's big old holes. But like mm. you could, you could see it on the broadcast, the car just like shattering and pieces flying yeah. off of it, yeah. and because like. I have the multi-screen set up, right, with multi-viewer and all that. So I actually have one screen that's just entirely dedicated to me, like, rewinding and rewatching things so I don't have to wait for the replay. And, like, two seconds after that happened, I'll, like, beep, go back and just, like, zoom in as best as I can and just be like, yeah, that car's retired. You see it go flying in the air. It's going to have suspension damage. You could see the rear wing snap into. It was, it was also kind of obvious just as he started turning the car that he was going to be screwed. And it was mm. just like, well... You were impatient, my dude. Yeah. You need to calm down. Like, yeah. and I thought had... that for Charles too. That like everybody was being so oh hateful towards him. That because, was ridiculous. Like, it was so clear if you watched it that yeah, what was he supposed to do if he broke? There was nothing. Like if he decided to hit the brakes, that the same outcome. If he turned, same outcome. Like he had no options. No options. Yeah. So too that like everybody was being so hateful towards him did you guys see like the videos of like the fist fight that broke out in the oh yeah of course yeah it's like this is nuts no my goodness oh people getting way too intense over their driver is always going to be a problem i saw a tweet of it of just like people fighting over which millionaire that drives in circles they like best and it's like, yeah, let's add a bit of context to this. Is it great to be very passionate and invested in this? Yes. But at the same time, it's not something that actually matters. <laughs> like, in the grand scheme of things, this is something that you're watching for fun and enjoyment. And if that's not what you're getting out of it, you need to take a step back and calm down. Mm. Like, come on. Yeah. I do feel like it was probably really disappointing, especially for all the people that were in the baseball stadium part because, like, they never got yeah. to see him. And really, everybody that was, like, anywhere except for turn one never got to see Checo race in the race. Yeah. Kind of like any Carlos fans last year at the USGP didn't get yeah. to see Carlos race. And so I, I understand the frustration 
does does that it deserve to physically assault somebody that's wearing a Ferrari shirt? No, <laughs> no excuse. Um, but I understand the heartbreaking disappointment. I mean, even just like to put yourself in Checo's shoes. I mean, how disappointing that had to be for him. It felt Ew. like it was almost, it was inevitable. It was either going, that was exactly what was going to happen because you built up all this anticipation for what it could be mm. or it was going to go 100% the other way. Like when it happened, I almost wasn't surprised. I was sort of like, mm. it was this yeah. or the other. It was one or the other and it, it wasn't going to be mediocrity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it really didn't surprise me. Overall, like just because Checo's performances overall have been mediocre, I would have been shocked if he got up into second and stayed there kind of a thing because mm. his performance hasn't been great. And a huge chunk of that has been his mentality. A huge part of it has been that he's lacked patience, that he's lacked the foresight to look at the big picture. And, you know, one of the big criticisms as well is that he hasn't been as aggressive or punchy as he should be. And so the one moment that he tried to do that, though, was into turn one at Mexico, where We've had not a single year here, I believe, where turn one in Mexico has been clean. Mm. With the exception being the restart we saw now. Like, that was clean. And I was like, thank you. Everybody, I think, has a little bit of, you know, flashbacks to Australia and that chaos. And we're just like, you know what? No, we're just going to caravan our way through this. It's fine. Everything's fine. But yeah, like going for... What's the saying? It is... Um... You can't win in turn one, but you can certainly lose. <laughs> like, and That's straight so up, true. that is what he did. He could That's have been so patient. True. He would have gotten past the Ferraris on that straight line speed. And instead, he decided to go for broke and be like, I need to beat Max, which obviously was not the right mentality to have going in here. Yeah. Like, but outside of that, starting at the beginning of the weekend, um, I don't know about you guys. I had real high hopes for Albon and Williams. I, I know. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed the group text, but it, literally only one word I was texting you all weekend it was, was, was like Albon. Albon with like the whatever emotional emoji was like what, yeah, what affiliated was with the moment, and it was a bit of a roller coaster. That's why I didn't respond because I was like, I just want to see only Albon's. <laughs> <laughs> Albon's in their respective emotion with his name. Like they're just doing so well. I'm really, mm. I'm really encouraged to see that like slight shift that Williams is having. And just so encouraging to see it. And even Logan Sargent, he was having such a good weekend. He really was, the yeah. The fact that his fuel pump crapped out on him, like, right at the end there, super, super unfortunate, because it, it counts the DNF. But oh. such, such a good race. Like, most likely they retired his car because it would have been a disqualification. If you say fuel, my mind is immediately going to go to maybe you just don't have enough fuel left for the test. Because for anybody who's unaware, they need to have one liter of fuel left at the end for them to test and make sure that it's up to regulations. Mm -hmm. So most likely it was an issue like that where it would have been, sorry, you probably wouldn't have finished anyway, but absolutely brutal to see. Yeah. But good on Williams overall. It's been nice. Speaking of rules and regulations and uh, penalties, let's yeah. talk for a second about this pit lane exit oh parking penalty situation. Because I... Like, I felt like I was so split, right? Because Saturday, I watched it happen. I literally was, like, watching George parked in the pit lane exit. Like, literally, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And Max got his little slap on the wrist last time. But then they came out openly afterwards and were like, yeah, we got it wrong. 
that should have been a yeah. penalty. So I'm like, surely they would make it a penalty now because they openly said last time, yeah, should be a penalty. And yeah. so like there was part of me that was like, the right thing is to penalize. But then the other part of me was like, but Max, but, but Max, but Max never gets penalties. So like, what's gonna happen? And it's, I don't say that sassy that Max never gets penalties. He just seems to dodge him. I don't know how it happens, but he does. Well, yeah. It's, it's one of those very questionable things where I want to know what the procedure is for them, for continuity, essentially. What notes do they give from the stewards from previous weeks to this week's stewards of like, these are the penalties that were recently given out. These are statements that have been made. Because again, they don't have the same stewards. And if you don't communicate we have no way of knowing how much of the stewards pay attention to the other races. We have no way of knowing what is being communicated to them as far as we said that we should change this, but if they don't officially change it in the regulations, you're at the mercy of the stewards using their judgment, which again, pros and cons to that. If they're aware of something that happened previously that they know and agree with, yes, we should penalize that, fantastic. But you need to set that precedent or you need to add changes very, very quickly and efficiently to the regulations, which is something they just didn't do. But I'm sorry, this is a problem that they should have seen coming a mile away. How do you not already have a regulation that says the moment you go into the pit lane, you cannot go below this speed. They have a max speed mm -hmm. because safety. And again, they waited until there was an incident to implement that. And now here we have it again. They're waiting for an incident, which you could see coming a mile away. And now they've decided to be like, yep, we should probably have a rule for that. Yeah. I've pulled up an article for everyone to see. I don't know if you guys have seen this one. F1 News, Max Verstappen demands changes after nitpicking FIA intrude on Mexico Grand Prix. He was frustrated and confused, demands reevaluation of rules after being investigated for pausing in the pit lane. Well, exactly. If you don't give them crystal clear rules, they're just going to do whatever. So like, it's not entirely on the drivers, it's not on the teams, it's really just the FIA. It's like, I've said it, I've said it so many times this weekend already, but the regulations a lot of the times do feel like a high school project that was thrown together the night before that nobody had the foresight to leave time to edit to make sure that it all made sense brought together. Yeah. Like. <laughs> I will say though, I do feel like there are a lot of like intricacies and elements to the sport that like, Yes, you could sit down and spend weeks and weeks and weeks putting together and finding and discovering all the loopholes. But I I don't know. These drivers in these teams, they are very clever. And so they're always mm -hmm. trying to find the loopholes. I think that, like, to agree with Christina, the disconnect is then and the, once they've found those loopholes, closing those loopholes. Like, you have the power to close them. Like, I'm not going to fault you for having a loophole there. But like once it's been discovered, kind of like with the alongside uh, safety car restarts, you know, they changed that after what was it like last year, two years ago. And um, yeah, I think it's been really a really good change. OK, on the topic of like on the topic of penalties should. And I say this with pain in my heart because I love Oscar Piastri. Should Oscar have been penalized for bonking Yuki no. in the race? No, Yuki turned into him. That's what I thought too. Yeah, it was the but same thing as Checo at the start. 
I agree. But some people think that it was different because Yuki had like broken later. So he was ahead of Oscar. I think they made the right call, but some people don't. No, Yuki still, even if you're breaking ahead, you still have to take an appropriate racing line that wouldn't careen you into somebody else. And he did not. He just went a little bit too narrow. Like, it's all fine and well to think that like, oh, I get this racing line now, but it makes no difference if the other person doesn't turn as well. Like, it, it's really stupid to make an assumption like that about where somebody else is going to drive. You know where your car is going to be and you can try to predict where the other one is going to, excuse me, is going to be. And it's better to err on the conservative side of where might this car turn to. Like, mm-hmm. especially if it turn one in Mexico, like it is known for collisions it is no like you always are constantly having things happen there drivers just overall should be a bit more conservative there yeah i agree i wanted to real quick jump back to williams yeah Uh, i know i i had one question for our uh christina or you caroline if you know what do we think happened between the end of fp3 and qualifying like there was this increasing oh, strength Alex. coming from Alex and then in qualifying, I know like he kind of, he got that, that one lap time deleted, which kept him out of Q3, but still prior to that, all of qualifying, I expected him to be up in the top 10 every time. And uh, it seemed like he was struggling where he hadn't been in FP3. I think it was also that other teams were getting their shit together. There's a lot of them that they use all of their FP sessions and they figure themselves out. Whereas the Williams is, we've seen the floor. It's a lot more simplistic. So in all likelihood, their setup options are fewer because they have a simpler concept. Mm -hmm. So they have less nitpicking that they can do. Whereas all of the other teams, they're still bringing upgrades. They're still changing things. They're being finicky. So it takes just a bit more time for them to tune in But again, that's the difference between front and midfield teams and ones that are at the back is they turn it on when it matters. And Williams is still struggling to do that. And yeah, I mean, you had Alex who was like pushing and had it kind of figured out for himself all weekend, but then everybody else started to catch up. Case in point that you saw with the Ferraris that you were just like all of a sudden, whoa, where did that come from? Suddenly Charles is on pole and Carlos is P2. That's nuts. Mm -hmm. Um, But... They're not really known for their race pace. So I actually commended them for their bold tire strategy, though. Their bold pit stop strategy. I was like, okay. And if only the safety car had come a little bit earlier, it would have been really cool for them. Yeah, yeah. that safety car's timing was like absolute shite. I pulled up the um, <laughs> the pit stops and you can see like all of the lap 34 ones, which is when they were in the pit lane, red flagged. And then you have... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight drivers that had pitted like within the last three, four, five laps before that. Mm-hmm. So about half the grid got completely screwed over by swapping out their tires just that little bit too early. Yeah. Including Lando. Who oh, had a Lando. Great, a great drive. But Alex Albon, I still think, drove really well on Sunday and still... Yeah. proved his medal, if you will, but yeah. shout out to Lando. And for all the haters out there that are like, Lando's better than Oscar because look what he did. Oscar had damage to his car because of the run-ins with Yuki. I would just like to point it out 
Yeah. He had like floor. I think it was like floor damage that he had no, he in did. his car. Yeah, that I was like, the yeah. fact that Oscar held on. Yeah, Oscar. Anyway. Oscar's doing great, but like he still is like not great at managing his tires, and like that's what's gonna win you a Grand Prix, is managing your tires. So it's just like. I love that people are loving Oscar, but like I need people to also be realistic over the fact that like he's a rookie and he still has a whole lot of learning to do, and it's gonna be a like good solid year, year and a half before he catches up to being on Lando's level. Like, and that's okay. if that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think that people expected Oscar to come in and just suddenly be beating Lando, but I think that he's doing a really great job, especially compared to some of the other rookies and. I think that Lando, he and Lando seem to have a really good working relationship together. Like, there you didn't see any fighting. He let Lando by because he knew that Lando had the better shot at pursuing more positions. So, I appreciated that. Um, some stuff from the audience. Hey! Uh, Michiago from Greece says it's Ooh. currently 11 to midnight. That was a little while ago, so it's Bless after midnight you. there. He watched a local version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire recently, and Leclerc's nationality was a 5,000 euro question. Yeah, that pops huh. up. <laughs> I've seen that pop up on multiple little like quiz shows. That's a good question to ask, though, because, I mean, I, I'm sure not a lot of people really know that he's from Monaco, and because he's I'll just, assume he's, he's French. Yeah, they'll assume he's a Fr he's French or like I know some people that assume he's Italian because he's a Ferrari driver. Oh. And he's like Mr. Italy, if you will. Max Hiller asks, uh, in your opinion, how do we fix the Mexico GP track? What could be done there to make it racier? It has well, definitely so has many. <laughs> it has so many long straights, and long straights are great in certain circumstances. But at a certain point, they get to be too long. Like, close to a third of this track is just that one long straight. But is, and then you have two others as well, like three DRS zones. Is the, the thin air... Like, are straights not the natural alternative when you don't have thick enough air to provide, like, the downforce you would normally have for high-speed corners? No, it is. Okay. But, like, you can still have... I think there's still a balance to be struck. And right now, I do think that there's a better layout that doesn't depend on having so many long straights or having them like, I do think the length of the straights is a bit of an issue because with the main, 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 long, 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 long straight, you end up overtaking like midway through and then you're just waiting for the breaking zone at turn one. With the other ones, they're at least short enough that you do have to wonder, will they, won't they overtake? But again, you do still want to have chicanes that are well set up because those overtakes are the ones that I think are actually really exciting because it's not guaranteed. It's not a done deal. You have to place the car well in order to potentially get a switchback. What defense will they do? So, you know, you can still, even with minimal grip, have a well set up corner that would suit the cars. And it's also, again, this is a car size issue as well, is that the track is quite narrow at certain points. So again, they do just have to make the cars smaller, which they are actively looking to do starting in 2025. But until then, we kind of just have to stomach through there not being enough room for these cars to truly maneuver around somewhere like this. Caroline? I'd like to see them make it a little bit longer, like lap length be a little bit longer. I think it would help to add some more variety in the track because... 
again, you do have all these long straights, but if they could just like open up a piece of it and like add a, a few more corners and a few more exciting spots, I think that that would also help because I think this is what the third shortest lap or whatever, like third shortest. It's a short one. Yeah, it's a short. Um, it's a short track. Track. So I think if they could lengthen it, because I feel like every year when the Mexican Grand Prix comes around, I'm like, is it over yet? Like, it feels so long. It turns into a parade, and one of the big issues as well is that so many of the power units will overheat again because of the thin air, and so you're managing the car as well so there's only so much you can do besides allowing like special regulations of oh we're in ultra thin air so you can make these modifications to your power unit or you can make these modifications to your car to increase the downforce but again i don't know why you would do that if we're no longer having special rules for a race like monaco why would you do it for the random race that is mexico that doesn't have as deep and long of a history and precedent to it. What are your opinions on double dose DRS, both Australia and this track? And I'm sure a couple others have it too. It's stupid. I think it there makes should... sense under old, the old regulations, but with the, the new regulations for the cars, I feel like it only helps those that already are at a hard advantage. Like the, the big problem with it is that they have the one DRS detection zone for two DRS zones. Right. And so whoever was behind at the detection zone gets DRS both times, but if they passed in the first DRS zone, they can still use it, I think. Yes. I think they can happened. still use it in the oh, second one. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So that's Hamilton stupid. used so it to his advantage and actually got away from Leclerc. Yeah. Yeah. So they have to change it that it's not just dependent on where you're set up in the detection zone, but you still actively have to have the car in front of you in any DRS zone. It can't just be at the detection zone. It has to be actively in the DRS zone the person is in front of you. Not by a second. That thing can just be, the second mark can just be at the detection zone. But somebody being in front of you should absolutely be the rule for when you're in a DRS zone and using it. Like, it's just a kind of wonky setup. Because again, how good would that racing be if you had a second detection zone and then you had to wonder like, oh, is this person going to overtake me again? Because that's something interesting that we see at other tracks that have DRS zone like on par with how many DRS detection points they have, is that you can see the person retaking the place in that second DRS zone, which is so much better. Oh. <laughs> interesting you'd have to put it you have to put the second detection point on the exit of the the corner rather than the entry yeah so you can you can determine Either. if the if the overtake yeah. was on the first one was completed then the guy who just got passed gets an opportunity in the second one yeah okay. all that good stuff all right yeah. any other exciting uh what do we think the, the rumor weekend? is I think it's something technical that only Albert would care about. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, this is Albert, and he's just being like super cryptic, super. He's also a little cheeky, I think. Who's like this? in a lot of the videos on Twitter, Albert um, from Brazil, or uh, the guy who does the tech videos for Santander, he and uh, tech talk a lot on F1 TV. He basically tweeted out being like, I just heard a rumor and I hope it's not true, but did not expand. And everyone's kind of losing their shit over it because he's somebody who does have access. But like, that's also so cryptic 
that you're just like this means both so much and so little at the same time and people are throwing out rumors like oh my gosh what if checo and um alonzo are swapping positions or swapping seats and then <laughs> to make matters worse red bull espana tweeted just a little facial emoji being like you're like everybody i feel like everyone's kind of just jumping on a conspiracy theory and kind of just being like you know what would be fun this weekend let's f around with people and just put out a random tweet and see what happens like yeah. he's either being an extreme agent of chaos or he legitimately heard something that's horrifying to him which in my mind would be tech related <laughs> uh. could be but yeah everyone's reading too much into it let's all calm down albert fabrega so. Fabrega, yeah. There it is. I'll make sure to follow. Fabrega. Oh yeah, no, he's fantastic to follow. Okay. Um, Aston Martin, unimpressive again. Just painful. I just felt bad for him. So I really bad. did. When Fernando DNF'd, I was like, oh, that just hurts. And Lance started from the pit lane again this weekend yeah it's just painful it's just painful how about when esteban um called his shot i know babe ruth moment <laughs> uh, no did you guys see then the um the instagram the exchange of the two had yeah no 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 not the haas admin this is nico hulkenberg oh that's right that's posted right, that's right. being like hmm, you like my butt Maybe, and then yeah, esteban like being like end. yeah you didn't see mine for long yeah yeah, it was fun. very cheeky. It was very fun. Like, you got to take advantage of the fact that you guys call your the back of your cars a rear end. Because mm. it sets you up for so many fun, cheeky things. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Where what did a he good post time. that? Uh, you said on Instagram? Hulkenberg In did? Instagram stories. So it might already oh, be gone by now. Oh, darn. Um, yeah. Oh, no, I screenshotted one, yeah. though. Here it is. I got it. Yeah. Okay. Ah, go back. It's It's still there. You must really like my rear end. What took you so long? <laughs> yeah. Like, just super so cheeky, good. super funny. And it's it's also fun because you know they were teammates before. And it's just nice to see that vibe come out again. And just like, all right. You guys actually know each other personally. Mm -hmm. Aw. Do more. That was like with, like, the Lando Daniel um, interview after the race, too. It was sweet yeah. to watch them, like, banter. I saw people complaining so about that, being like, why, why does Danny got to interrupt and inject himself and everything? And, like, they, they were upset that he's the class clown or the, the Mr. Fun guy. It's like, that, 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 that's him, though. That's, yeah, that's we missed him is. for a couple years at Renault and McLaren, but he's back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I did buy my girlfriend a McLaren uh, Danny hat. Yeah. With nice. a three on it at, yeah. at, the, at the Austin race. They had all this old... Yeah, um, they always bring out. The yeah, I sent you stuff. the. It was the the Haas rich energy stuff was still there. Yeah, it was. The Racing Point Checo stuff was everywhere. Okay, yeah. yeah. My mother-in-law, like we were walking past a bunch of them, a bunch of the stands and things, and my mother-in-law looked at me and my husband as we were walking. She was like, "I really want one of those hats that has like the bullseye on it." And we looked at each other like, none of the teams have a bullseye. And their logo. And so we were like, maybe she meant Mercedes because it's like kind of looks like a bullseye. And she's like, it was like a like a pink. And we were like, 
Alpine has pink, but it's not a bullseye. We were so confused. And she was like, no, it's a bullseye. It, it's got like a circle and then a dot in the middle. We were like, what is what? We, cause like never in a million years would I would have thought they would have racing point gear that they're selling in 2023 at a race. And she got her racing point hat. I was so proud of her. Then they had options Aww. too. You could get the Lance one, you could get just the standard team one, or you get the Checo one. I was like, wow. I can't believe they still have these. Yeah. They have it, it's a good looking hat. That. Yeah. yeah. It's a good looking that hat. Cherry, uh, the, the cherry blossom Red mm -hmm. Bull hat apparently is in super high demand. And I think the only place you can get it is at the races now because mm -hmm. online they're sold out. Yeah. No one, no one can seem to find them. Well, people are also having like a little bit of a fit and losing their minds because Red Bull produced Daniel Ricardo three hats. Like Red Bull Ooh, themselves produced yeah. it. But it's like, guys, his contract is with Red Bull. He's yeah. on loan to Alpha Tauri. They most likely were planning on having these like third driver hats of his yeah, from the moment anyway. they signed him. Because his merch sells like a whole bunch. Yeah. Even if even if it's Daniel Ricardo, people are more likely to buy it if it's Red Bull than it is Alpha Tauri. <laughs> Especially with the rebrand. Like, come on, they're not gonna slap his name on a bunch of stuff when they're gonna be, you know, putting it to the outlets anyway within the next couple of months. I forgot that he was with Red Bull and on loan. Yeah. Yeah. He he's I mean he's the technically third driver. For this year. This year. Next year I think he does have the official Alpha Tauri contract. Ooh. I think I need to double check that or if it's another on loan situation cuz that's an very important distinction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Trey and Portante. All right, viewers, yeah. if you have any other questions, let us know. Um we didn't get a chance uh, on, on the live section uh, last week for you guys to talk about oh, yeah. uh, the the U.S. Grand Prix. Um, in the episode we're about to record, I'm sure we'll discuss like the race itself. But um, going to the event was it everything you wanted it to be? It was good. It was solid. I was pretty happy with it. I will say. Just like any race weekend, they needed more shade. Like, always need more shade. And and with it being a permanent track, I'm also going to be a bit more critical of that. Because uh, we were cooking, like, especially on that Friday. I still feel like I have my heat exhaustion from that. Like, it's, I feel like it's so slow and wearing off. But the racing was good. The best part about Koda, I would say, is that it's hilly. And so pretty much anywhere you are, you can see multiple points on the track because like that's just how it's set up it's it's really nice that way mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's a good time yeah i liked it and austin's great i had so many tacos <laughs> yeah good. i love going to coda it's so tacos. fun i felt like they did i felt like they did a really good job because i love all the different activations that they have all over the track um and they're just it's so clever and everybody that i feel like all the fans are so nice and you it's not the case at every Grand Prix that you go to where you just have considerate people. I mean, one of the first things that shocked me the most the first time I went to Coda was that you can leave your chair somewhere in GA and it will still be there at the end of the day and people will not touch it. Like there's just this unwritten rule at Coda that you don't mess with other people's stuff. Oh my gosh. But I found a woman's Louis Vuitton purse. 
abandoned on the side of a hill. So like, you know, the, that big turn one hill, not mm -hmm. facing the track on the backside, facing like the parking lot. Hmm. We were just, we were just standing there for like a couple of seconds, <laughs> gearing ourselves up to walk up this massive hill. And I looked at, and they're brown, right? Louis Vuitton's like are brown and the grass and the dirt is brown. So literally if I hadn't seen the glint of the gold chain strap, I mean, it was blending in perfectly into the ground and i looked down and i was like oh my gosh not like a real louis vuitton purse and i had the thought like do i leave it here does the person are they going to cut like even if they come back looking for it what are the odds they're going to find it because it's blending into the ground so i turned it into guest services but they were like they were on it they were like we're going to get it to this person. They're going to radio to all the other guest services and i didn't go into the bag or anything and i told them i was like it's probably got id in it but I don't know. I didn't go into it. Um, but yeah, they, I, I like circled back the next day and they were like, yep, we found the person it belonged to and got it to him. I was like, Coda for the win. I mean, their, their guest relations is so amazing. Their team is so awesome. So like from a fan perspective, it's so fun. You do have to be ready for it to be hot because it's hot there every month of the year. But yeah, yeah I thought they did a great job. I thought that the food was great. And the uh, water stations always had water. And I love that they were handing out sunscreen. And it was like the good sunscreen. I didn't see that. We, had a, yeah. we had a lot of hard time finding the water stations on day one. Really? Yeah. Yeah. No, and the ones that we went to when we got there day one were empty. Really? Yeah. Like Friday, Friday finding water was actually a challenge. Saturday, Sunday was fine. The toilets were always clean, which was great. But yeah, they're... <laughs> we were like wandering through the desert for the first couple hours until oh, no. we found like one Where? of the buildings that had actual like we found a couple water stations and they were empty so we found the one that was behind the paddock like along the walk of the straight on the outside line up towards turn one so in and amongst it was in and amongst all of the like food concessions that were along that walk and that one was empty and then we ended up walking towards like the little carnival area and we found again two other stations there and they were empty still again and this huh. was like this was still before fp1 so like there weren't a huge number of people there but like there were a lot of them like it yeah. was i wonder if they just weren't full yet i was gonna well, say yeah, they might have been they might have been going around filling them because they would yeah. get warm by the end of the day because it was so hot outside so they think that they were like filling yeah. them at the last second so that people could have the cold water longer I saw yeah. a hose hooked up to the one that by 15 they just that, that was perpetually full that's awesome yeah but like it was it was a thing to your oh. shade point the the only i i'm with caroline on how well organized and put together the whole thing was the only downside was or the negative comment i had was the security kicking everyone out of the shade two hours before a concert i texted really? you about this so the stage security set up oh, for the, in the DJ in the amphitheater. There was all this shade in the front, and we were all getting ready to watch the race. Like mm -hmm. hundreds of people had shown up to watch the race in the amphitheater, and we we're going to sit on the cold uh, concrete in the shade. And security kicked everyone out because in, the second the race is over, a DJ was going to start, and they wanted to let people into the like the you know the the pit at that time not sooner and not have to kick people out midway through and i kind of understand that but at the same time at 90 degrees sweating 
people just lining up trying to get in there and finding out they couldn't they were angry and i, th- mm. I thought a couple of these moms were just going to like push through the gates and be like screw that we're going in and then the same s- security um rounded up all the folding chairs while we were sitting in them and told them we couldn't sit in the folding chairs we had to go sit in the red chairs in the sun and then they put folding chairs out on the stage in the shade and watch the race right in front of us in the shade the whole time. No. Yeah. It was, it was, oh. and I know that they're not Coda. They are a separate company that yeah. was hired, hired to, to put on that event. But like I tweeted Coda, I was like, Hey, you might want to radio your stage people over here. Cause they're, you know, obviously no one responded, but, uh, it, it could have gotten bad, but it, it really didn't. But the fans at Coda are so nice. Amazing. Get I got a whole YouTube video of interviews of fans that I'm going to nice. uh, put together for. Oh, I will say my one like thing that I cannot believe people did and that I'm like seriously appalled by is that at the end when there was the track invasion, there were people before it was open, before the proper gate was open, that started jumping the fence and running past it and then at a certain point people didn't want to wait in line so they legitimately went up and ripped the bottom of one of the fences so they could like blitz through and this was back at like turn 19. oh that's where i went in yeah so there was just absolute chaos there it was absolutely ridiculous and it was kind of just like you idiots this is how track walks get taken away like you are being so unbelievably short-sighted selfish like what on earth are you going to gain by jumping over this fence and blitzing your way towards the podium is it something cool to see yes but like like what on earth like what on earth are you doing who raised you how on earth do you think that this is an appropriate action to have like, that was one of those things where I was just like, this is ridiculous. This is stupid. Like, what is wrong with people? What the yeah. heck? What I is did wrong? get kicked out by the police. Um, what? So I, I, this is like 45 minutes after the race. People okay. are pretty much still just wandering turns, like 18, 19, 20. I was out there interviewing people on track, <coughs> just, you know, talking to fans and getting their their backstories. And this golf cart pulls up to me, and I had left enough room so anyone could get by, and I'm, like, filming, and I'm, like, waving them past, like, come on, guys, you can go, you can go. And they're like, no, we're waiting for you. And I'm like, what? Like, you got to go. I'm like, oh, okay. So they were just shooing us out. Yeah. But, he, but he saw that I was, like, filming, filming and had a microphone and was handing around to people, and he, just, he wanted to make sure I left because I was clearly... <laughs> lingering. To, lingering to get that that uh background shot so yeah. yeah didn't get in trouble i'm glad they were nice about it and they were like get off the get off the grass <laughs> name that movie oh i don't i don't know that's just my neighbor i would not childhood. be surprised if buck doesn't know it but i would be surprised if christina doesn't know it get off the grass get off the grass what princess diaries yeah eat the lerba Get I should know that. Grass. I don't remember that. It's when Mia goes to her grandma's, um, not her grandma's house, movie. but the consulate in the yeah. first uh, movie. Yeah. And she just walks across the grass. And they're like, no, we don't keep her here. But to be fair, if you go to someone's house for the first time, why would you walk across the grass? Like, just take the sidewalk until you find out if they're sidewalk or grass people. Come on, Mia. <laughs> Come on. Wait until they open the gates to do the track invasion. Please, people. Because yeah. they will not take that it hard. away. They will take it away. It can be oh taken God. away. I didn't do yeah. the track invasion this year because um, my whole family had a flight to catch on Sunday night. And so I didn't want to, like, 
hold them up, but it's fun. It's cool to do. Yeah. All right. Well, we are at 40 minutes. We got to roll and go record our podcast episode. Thanks for joining, guys. Yeah, yeah. Michiago out there in Greece. Thank you. I know. Go to bed. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you uh, next week after Brazil. Brazil. Yeah. Last sprint race of the season. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>